Pricing. Pricing is really an important lever for growth. How should you think about it? And when we started looking through our network to the community, you know, I could not think of a better person than uh, the one uh, we have today, which is uh, Dr. Leo Stevens. Uh, I'm really, really fortunate to have gotten to Leo many years ago. Uh, at the moment, he is the Senior VP of Pricing and Analytics uh, and Commercial at uh, Cold Palmer. But really, over the last 15 years or more, he has really been focused on pricing, the lever it is, the strategic lever and tactical lever. And with that, uh, I'm going to turn this uh, mic over to Leo for the next 20, 25 minutes. Uh, it'll be a really informative session. Uh, I'm excited about the content he has to share with you. And with that, Leo, over to you. Uh, please uh, take it away. All right. Thank you, uh, Vivek and DJ. I appreciate the comments. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening uh, to everyone here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I hope to have a, uh, a very informative session for you today. And at the end of the session or in the middle of the session, I'm going to give you two tools that will allow you um, to go get some price and to uh, not drive away customers. So with that, we'll begin. Um, in 2021 with COVID, we've actually looked at, at a number of things. And there's four things that, that you know, many pricing practitioners feel you should do is number one, have a strategic approach to pricing based on segmentation have a tactical approach that allows you to get value, um, as we've, we've already talked about on each of cases, uh, different units of measure, to make sure you measure, measure price to see if you're driving away customers or uh, losing volumes with your products. Um, and then really built in a price policy. So we call it a commercial DOA, delegation of authority. And um, you know, in almost every company that I've worked with, I've had customer service reps that continually give away price um, because customer asked for it, you know, they may, may, buy, may buy one unit and say, can I get a better price than that? And my customer service, like, sure, I'll give you 10% off, um, which, why would you do that? Um, so we build in these delegation of authorities to limit who can make price discounts. So what can you do today? And this is where we get into the actual tactical piece of it. And again, my, I have my email at the end, more than happy to, uh, to respond to your questions on, on emails. You know, after the fact, when they send this out and you look at that, you actually will want to run through a couple of examples and uh, just shoot me a note and I'll be happy to respond. So today, the first thing you can do is segment your customers. And, you know, I look at by business unit, I segment customers by region. I look at different markets. Um, I segment by revenue, high, high customers to low, low customers, and then product mix. So what's our most popular products versus the least products? The two tools I'm going to give you today are core status and type size index, and I'll get into that next. Um, as I said earlier, you want to make sure you measure, measure your price moves and, and the effect you're having. Um, you get a lot of information on what you've done um, after the fact and, and how it affects your profitability and your customers, whether they grow, shrink, or, you know, I've never had anybody leave, but it could happen. And then, you know, build a, build a price policy. So, so let's get into the actual tactics. So the first thing that I told you about is that you can actually find out um, some competitive information without ever knowing what your competitors are charging. And so as you understand what your customers buy from you, you know, um, if you take a customer that is, is uh, buying 50% uh, of their sales from a small group of products, and, and if, you, if you take a customer and take two or three, four years history of their sales, uh, depending on whatever you have, 
and you take the top 50% of the sales and you look at the, the SKUs that they're purchasing, um, you'll understand that those are the top SKUs they buy from you. If you look at another customer that's in the same industry and the same size and they have a different product mix, that means your competitors are getting that business and you're not. And so when we look at those top 50% of SKUs, we call those core A. Those are products that your customer is very price sensitive. Um, if you do grocery shopping at your house and you go to the grocery store and you buy milk and bread, you know what the price of milk or bread should be. Um, you know, for example, if you go to the grocery store and, and you go to pick up a loaf of bread and it costs $8 and you bought bread recently, you realize that is not a good price for a loaf of bread. And so there's something different about it. It's, it's either unique or there's something wrong with it or it's you know, priced wrong, it's marked wrong, but you're aware of the price. If there's something you don't buy very frequently and you don't know the price, if, uh, and it doesn't really matter what it is, if you don't know what the price is, I'll give you an example of something some people will know and some won't. If you go to buy a, a, a Rolex Submariner and you walk into the, in the jewelry store and you say, I'd like to buy a Rolex Submariner and the guy pulls one out and says, we have this one for $15,000. You have no idea whether that's a good price or a bad price, or there's one that you could get for five thousand, uh, you know, or, or why it's fifteen thousand. They have diamonds on it, and so we call those non-core products. And non-core products are products where you can make price moves without fear of losing customers. So when you when you take a customer and you look at a couple of years of history, uh, you find out what products fall in the top fifty percent, the next twenty nineteen percent, and these products we call core. And that means that they are um, price sensitive. If you do elasticity calculations, if you know what those are, you'll see that their elasticity is highly elastic. Um, and so you wanna be very careful with those price changes. And you also wanna look at light customers to see what products they're not buying because that means your competitors are buying them and your price is probably wrong if the quality is the same. The non-core products, again, the further you go down this list, the more price moves you can make. I, I mentioned I did a 300% price increase. I had a customer that uh, it was the only customer that bought this product. He bought it once a year. It really messed up our, uh, our production department because we never knew when he would order the product. He never would tell us. Um, and you know, he, he wanted a three week delivery, which we pretty much had to shut down stuff and make it for him. And so I raised his price 300%. He called me up and said, Hey, this is ridiculous. I'm not paying for it. And I thanked him very much. I said, thank you so much. You know, this is a pain for us to make for you. We never know when we're going to get the order. We've got to shut the down the plant down to make it. And, you know, thank you that you're not going to buy it from us anymore. So we can quit making it. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. I have to have this product. And I said, well, this is your price. If that's the case then. And after about 30 minutes of discussion, we agreed, you know, on a 250% price increase instead of a 300% price increase. And he would give me the time when he would uh, place that order. But it was a non-core. So he needed it. Um, no one else had it, and we were able to raise price a lot. So core status is the first tool. You know, that I think, yeah, and I think, Leo, as I'm listening to you, I think what it ties back to the question that Ron Giantini asked a few minutes ago, right, which is do you have a standard across-the-board price, or is it a differentiated price increase in a segment? And I think you just gave a classic example of, you know, what's important, what's core, what's non-core, and then you can adjust prices and, you know, understand the sensitivity of the price on the customer's behavior, right? And that's really important. The whole segmentation idea that you talk about is so important in this process out here. Right? 
again, I'm, I'm noticing time, so I'm going to go relatively quick on the on the end of this because I'll ask leave time for questions. But uh, the, the second tool, and again, this is one where you should work through an example, is we call type size segment index or segment size index. And basically, what you do is you look at you look at the price a customer is paying for a product, and then you take that that same product for a group of customers in the same market. Um, that, that buys it, and you do the simple calculation. So the price paid for customer A for product, $8.50. Price paid for, for the group, the average price, $9. You get an index of 0.944 when you do this simple math. The beauty of this is it tells you if you subtract 944 from one, you get 5.6. And that tells you that customer A is paying 5.6% less than customer B. Now, if you go back to this list, um, if that's a core A product for customer A and maybe a core B or a core C from uh, the rest of the customers, that's probably a good price. If it's the same, if it's core A for both of them, you either need to raise price on customer A or lower price for everybody else because you're losing to the competitors. So how do you tell uh, where that's at, um, whether the raise or lowest price? So if it's a core A product, your target index should be around 0.93. So we were at 0.94, so that was close enough. If it's a core B, should be around one, core C about 1.7. So, so these are just some simple standards to help you prove a concept. And I'm gonna go back to the slide that I just went through very fast. Um, when I say look at segment size, we, we look at, we size our customers too. So if you take all your customers and put them in um, deciles, one through 10, your top customers, um, the top 10% of the customers would be size one, your bottom 10% of the customers would be size 10. That's your size and the type of size index. The segment could be market, could be business unit, could be region. And so when we look at the average price for customers um, in a segment, that's the segment we're looking at and the size we're looking at. Um, and again, I've given you a tool to, to help that. These two simple tools with, with one other piece of information will allow you to create a matrix that looks like this. So I have my core status for the product. Um, I actually dropped in margin because I wanted to, to see where margin looks like. And then I look at my products itself. Is it a commodity? Is it differentiated? Is it an exclusive? Um, I looked at the competitive industry. Is it highly competitive? Is it, there's no competing products? And based on the on this information and the core status, I've been able to do some math and, and make some adjustments to give you, this is illustrative, this is for one of my products or one of my product groupings. And you can see that um, in areas that uh, I'm having the greatest increase, it's because the competitive intensity is low or none and the exclusivity is high. And if you look, core status A, I'm not increasing price as much as I am for core status E. Again, when I say average of 2%, this is where um, you really get the, the higher end and then the commodity prices um, with highly competitive, that's where you might not get as much. But again, this is one that I actually did a couple of years ago after about four years of pricing. These numbers would be less the first year that you do it. So I'm gonna stop there. I went through a lot of information fast. Really, you just should work through a couple of examples with core status and that type size index. Happy to... Uh, you know, if you want to send me, you know, a question or two, you know, I can build you a quick Excel spreadsheet 
um, that shows you how to do core status. Really, it's just a sorting in Excel and type size index is, is about the same. So I'm going to stop there for some questions and answers. Uh, so we do have one question that came in uh, from Viknesh. Um, he says, love your journey, which stage you faced resistance? Uh, this is in reference to uh, the first half of the uh, presentation. Um, so which that, are, yeah. which is that the question, which region? No, uh, I, the journey of the price change. When you go through this journey, Leo, I think what, what, you, st what you started with, you know, most companies have a certain price book when you come in and make these changes, you're going to face resistance somewhere, either internally to the company or outside in the customer base. So I think Vignesh's question is, where in that journey is the biggest source of resistance? Which is a great question, I think. Yeah, it is. The, the biggest source of resistance for me has, uh, has been with the sales team. So um, I have been able to get buy-off from the executive team. They understand it. Um, the sales reps will tell you, uh, and by the way, I was a sales rep for 20 years. So I know where the sales rep, sales management, so I know where they're coming from. They'll tell you, I know my customers better than you. And uh, I've proven over and over again in the pricing journey, my math is better than what the sales reps know. So if you think of a, of a, uh, of a company, one of your OEMs that have you know, two, three, 4,000 SKUs that they're selling, your rep and each rep may have you know, 100 customers. There's no way they can, they can understand the price for 2,000 SKUs at 100 customers. Well, my math can. Um, by, by, by segmenting the customers, by sizing the customers, by looking at core status, I can tell the rep, here's where you can raise price, here's where you can't. Um, so it's a great question. So really, it's, it's a sales team that uh, will give you the most pushback until you prove it. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I had two sales reps that, that joined the company three years ago. Um, in our company, we have accelerators when you exceed 100%. And um, these two reps both had different approaches. One said, I know my customer is better than you. I'm not going to do any pricing unless you make me. The other one said, I don't know anything about my customers. You convinced me. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And so at the end of the year, um, I called them both in the room. And I said, before I give you your final paycheck, I want to remind you of the discussion. And I said, the young lady, I said, you know, ma'am, you, I let you do your own pricing. Um, you made, you, you were able to make $30,000 in commission, which is your target for the year. Congratulations. You know, you, you hit 100%. Um, young man that did everything I told him, I said, you made $30,000 in commission plus $33,000 in accelerators and grew your business 40%. And I said, thank you for doing pricing with me. And her jaw hit the floor. Um, literally, she was shocked that he made twice as much money as she did by making a 1% pricing move. That's all he did. You know, it's it's actually uh, it's interesting you said that, and I think people forget that uh, the ability to start changing prices is a is a differentiator, and the resistance sometimes is good. But if you understand the net impact that you're going to have for in an individual uh, incentive, you know, it's amazing how you can get people to change, right? So invariably, this uh, to the question Vignesh asked, you may get some resistance, but the what's in it for me is really an interesting aspect uh, of the sale of the internal change process as well, right? To kind of directly tie to the commission structure and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it's 11.36 here in the central zone, central time zone. We're more or less out of time, but maybe we have one more uh, Leo, can we take one more question if you don't mind? Absolutely. I'm gonna, okay, okay, great. DJ, you have the question in front of you. You want to quickly go through it? Yep, I'll go through it real quick. So, uh, you know, anonymous attendee says, the webinar set out in the context of OEMs transitioning selling services. 
Uh, does Cole Palmer employ such business model and how is it affecting pricing? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, so we have a number of, we have an OEM team, we have a, a direct selling team, we have an indirect selling team where we sell through distributors. So we have uh, a, a complete range of, of, the, uh, of the spectrum. We also have our own pro products that are proprietary and exclusive, as well as we distribute products. And uh, uh, I have been uh, doing pricing at Cole Palmer. I started in 2015. Um, the lowest year I've ever had here um, was I got 4% price, uh, which is, uh, we're, we're a $500 million company. You can figure the math on that. So it put a lot of money to the bottom line. And then last year I ended up at 5.6% uh, realized price, uh, which is, you know, 5% on 500 million in terms of EBITDA is uh, a, a nice payback. So. I've been fortunately the CEO that I work with, you and know, I've been together for 15 years at, uh, this is our third company together. Um, he'll tell people, I have no idea what Leo does. I don't really care. He just makes me money and I'm happy with it. We've never lost a customer. So uh, the, the flip side of, of what's the resistance you had, the sales rep, the flip side is if you have a CEO and a board of directors that believe in you, uh, it also helps. Yeah. I do the small team, by the way. Um, the, the, the biggest team I had, um, I had a $10 billion company that I worked for. We had uh, about 80 people doing pricing. On a $5 billion company, I had 110 people doing pricing globally. Um, here for half a million, I've got seven people. So you don't need a lot of people to do it, um, you know, especially in the early stages, and you can, you can make some real money for your company. Yep. And I think what you said at the end is really important, right? As you go through this journey, it's you don't need to go try to conquer the world at one shot. You know, you start taking small bites of it. You start doing some basic segmentation. You take a look at a core A versus core B versus non-core. You go figure out the exclusivity, the strategic intent, the messaging you're trying to do with pricing. And one by one, you can start knocking down these bowling pins. So it's really, really important to kind of think through the journey. So, Leo, thank you very much for that. Uh